Welcome listeners to another episode of the Indian Cycling Podcast brought to you by the Bike Affair. As promised, we are in uh, recording on the 4th of July uh, on the eve of the ninth stage of the Tour de France starting. So today we will be analyzing the first week that has uh, transpired till now and uh, to do that I have uh, our uh, designated race analyst uh, Sandeep Krishna with me here. Welcome Sandeep. Thanks, Kokul, for the welcome and designated race analyst. Nice <laughs> ring to it. <laughs> yeah. So, so how how uh, how have we been enjoying the first week, Sandeep? Kokul, very different first week of Tour de France than the last few years. Mm. Very different in a way that I mean, a uh, lot of all the superstars or people that you would predict would wa- actually won a stage. But a lot of crashes, a lot of action in the first week. And it doesn't feel like a week or or just eight days have passed. Right? What do you say? Yeah, true. Uh, In fact, uh, uh, I think while I can say that I've been following 2D France for for almost a decade now, uh, I think there is still so much to learn and uh, understand in the sport that... uh, the way uh, the tour has transpired and uh, the, the 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 surprises it has thrown while some of the expected surprises all are very interesting and no and the the gc uh, the the stage suddenly moves from uh, uh, hailing a sprinter to next day hailing a gc candidate to hailing somebody new uh, who is uh, making a mark on, on by themselves and so on and you know it's it's been it's almost like there are multiple sports happening within and you know, the characteristics changes every day and you know yeah this year has been a very very uh, exciting first week i i don't think we had a, a single day wherein there was uh, uh, nothing much to talk about or you know the, the course uh, changed or the character of the race changed and this became so exciting. Also, Gokul, uh, you know, after a long while, the tour route has suited. The first week of it has suited the rollers and the classics guys. And until now, we saw the yellow jersey with uh, those guys, right? I mean, Mark, uh, Matthew Van Der Poel has been with the yellow jersey until now. Before that, uh, Julian Alaphilip got a day in the yellow. So a nice touch that after a long time we have had uh, rollers, you know, typically getting the yellow jersey for the first week. So it's it's interesting how that without having even, uh, you know, either a cobble stage or anything very classics oriented yet, it has uh, actually uh, given a little bit of an edge to the rollers this year. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, just uh, to help some of the people who probably do not understand the term rollers, uh, uh, it's essentially uh, a type of rider who is uh, uh, who has got a higher, uh, uh, who is very strong in the short, punchy uh, climbs and stuff. So, in other words, in the uh, training jargon, who has a pretty high VO to max. So they may not be able to sustain a very long climb, but the short punchy climbs they are very good at. And uh, uh, this year, stage one and stage two were 
exactly like that uh, punchy stages rolling throughout you know with small lot of small climbs are not a, a seriously long climb and even uh, both the stage 1 and stage 2 uh, ending on a ramp so which uh, suited the likes of uh, Julian Alaphilippe and uh, Matthew van der Poel who are uh, who have that short explosive power to last for a few minutes yeah it was uh, to come back to your point uh, sandeep yes i think it uh, in a, it is very nice to see the uh, involvement of uh, these kinds of uh, riders and uh, it was a slight uh, change from uh, uh, the norm uh, however i am pretty sure there are a lot of questions raised about the route also in fact we even had a uh, failed uh, rider protest on one of the days <laughs> but uh, uh, i guess we i feel like we talk about rider safety almost every time in the first week of the stage but uh, uh, while there are some actions that are taken uh, to to make the peloton safer but, uh, still we have crashes and some bad crashes so shall we start with uh, i i don't want to go stage by stage at this point uh, uh, sandeep because it is too much to cover in a one episode and i don't think we'll be able to justify any particular stage so let's uh, probably look at uh, broader uh, analysis uh, going by the gc first and then talk about some notable performances of of the first week and then moving on to what we see how the uh, the race is likely to progress in the next two weeks and end with a couple of questions that uh, we have from the listeners does that sound okay sure yeah yeah sounds perfect so you want to run away with the gc analysis yeah so uh, so usually right gokul i mean this first week of a grand tour is basically you know play hide and seek for the gc guys basically hide in the bunch and essentially keep away from the wind keep away from trouble don't get uh, caught up in crashes and don't show yourself too much conserve energies that's essentially the uh, mantra of the gc guys in the week one Correct. however very uh, you know in a very uncertain terms for this tour de france we saw the complete opposite we saw number one lot of crashes happening as we just of the bug and primoz roglic one of the top favorites and jeran thomas another uh, top favorite both of those guys had terrible crashes in the, in the first week and now are way behind in terms of uh, time gaps in the gc essentially ruling themselves out so now that has actually caused number one that has caused uh, you know depletion of the prospective favorites to win this second as we saw how strong tadej uh, pogacar has been so far in the race for a guy who is the defending champion without a strong team and somebody who would all have thought that would want to conserve for the third week he has not cared one hoot about it and in fact has shown himself himself very very strongly on both the itt that we had the 30 km itt which he won outright beating all of these rollers and time tra- trialists uh, time trial specialists as well as take huge amount of bunch of time in the first stage of the alps with that rog- uh, both roglic and g are essentially out of the gc battle and pogacar is 5 minutes up 
on the real uh, one you know the, the next real big uh, contender for the gc which is richard carapaz so that has uh, changed the dynamics i mean one week in we would have not imagined this scenario about a week back that there would be such huge time gaps already just at week 1 also uh, there have been a dearth of gc contenders otherwise gokul you know mm-hmm. you would have expected at least four five more gc guys maybe not contending to win but at least to podium but as we discussed in our previous podcast most of those guys are you know only trying to uh, shoot for a stage win guys like simon yates nero quintana miguel angel lopez etc and even vincenzo nibali so now with the departure of roglic and g uh, the list is even shorter and you know in certain ways we are apprehensive on how the gc battle is going to even play out without you know a uh, good strength of gc players we might see pogacar just run away with it fully yeah. so gc gc looks lopsided uh, at the one week time frame what do you think gokul yeah i mean this is completely unexpected i remember us discussing that uh, we had too many gc leaders in uh, team ineos uh, last week before the race and now we the whole peloton doesn't have any gc contenders to challenge uh-huh. roglic so uh, uh, talk of uh, things changing it is uh, uh, it's been quite remarkable uh, but at the same time i think it is very unfair if we were to uh, uh, if you were to ascertain all these uh, advantage only to the crashes while yes nobody can uh, say what the if the crashes had not happened and uh, g and roglic were uh, um, stronger whether they would have done better but somehow i feel the way um, roglic has uh, sorry the way pogachar has uh, approached this year's race i am really impressed uh, uh, i've been a big uh, tennis fan and one of the things that uh, i have noticed when uh, when i look across uh, uh champions of different eras and stuff is now and then we get a uh, uh, a champion who has a very good season who ends up uh, being number 1 or so but there are very few people who are able to retain that number 1 spot for a long time because i feel that uh, once you become number 1 the you become the target for the entire uh, a list of competitors and your uh, style and weaknesses are analyzed by experts all across and coaches and you know various uh, action plans are formed so it is extremely difficult to repeat that in the next year and uh, pogachar has uh, just turned everybody you know the way i i feel that he has not rested on his laurels of last year he has uh, it almost feels as if he was preparing for this and uh, he he had a very clear plan on uh, what would be his strategy and uh, he seems to have uh, uh, trained well enough to execute that plan and that to me shows that he is a is a rider of a generation uh, and uh, also the other most important thing is to have the uh, right attitude uh 
the way he rode that time trial and you know how he is able to bring out his best on the most important day is again another uh, characteristics of uh, great champions and uh, uh, you also mentioned earlier that he didn't seem to be in great tt form coming back from his nationals performance which was slightly subpar subpar on the tt but uh, uh, it is unbelievable to even see that uh, it is the same guy i again i remember we discussing earlier that uh, this tt stage is going to uh, be more suitable for other kinds of riders and it's not really in his style but uh, and say that now and you will be laughed at <laughs> so <laughs> So, absolutely yeah. and uh, uh, sorry to uh, interrupt there but you are absolutely correct about the tt and how how we dominated the uh, specialists on the uh, you know 30 km long tt in fact talking about the slovenian national championships mm. i mean i am actually not sure if he actually uh, tried to hide his form there just two weeks back just to not you know uh, give a glimpse of what is coming up for the tour de france to his rivals mm-hmm. or was he at that level just a couple of weeks back so that's he's still such a new guy on the tour in certain ways that you know probably everybody do not doesn't even know how to decode him yet although like you mentioned that you know it's possible to sometimes form great strategies after uh, in, you know in one season of success and all but i think he is also seems to be a guy who understands when to hide himself and when to bring out his a game mm. and look at him i mean uh, on all on, on both the critical tts uh, the finishing one last year and this first weeks one he's actually uh, you know and both of the tts were very dissimilar that was up the uh, that was a mountain tt right climbing up a very steep climb mm. and this one was a rolling tt but mostly flatish you know mm-hmm. favoring the time trial specialist and, and he came on top winning both of them and uh, the same week he's still there up with the climber so it's not like as if he was carrying extra weight on his body or extra muscle and that held him with the tt so mm-hmm. very hard to still decode and you know kind of slot pogacher in you know whether he's is he a roller kind of a gc contender or a time trialist kind of a one like begins or or a pure climber kind of a guy like let's say contador was so not only is he a once in a generation kind of a talent but looks like he's straddling that and he essentially reminds of like attacking gc guys like contador or eddie marks correct yeah so yeah so yeah, yeah in fact uh, uh, i was just thinking that uh, in this uh, particular uh, year uh, this year's tour he he had two days uh, till now where he could uh, make a difference and both the days he has not hesitated at all you know and uh, the typical uh, uh, conservative way a gc rider rides is absolutely been thrown out of the window so uh, he has uh, given his best and we were even thinking that uh, whether he would uh, kind of conserve a little bit on the tt uh, he definitely did not and uh, uh, even yesterday the the way he attacked and uh, no rode away from a 
प्योर क्लाइंबर लाइक रिचर्ड कैरापास एंड आई आई कुड गिवन इट फेल्ट लाइक अ प्रो राइडिंग अमंगस्ट अ ग्रुप ऑफ अमेचर्स टू बी हॉनेस्ट सो ही जस्ट सीम टू बी फ्रॉम अ डिफरेंट प्लैनेट एंड आई थिंक दिस दिस इज टू एन एक्सटेंट कैरेक्टरिस्टिक प्रॉली ऑफ द द दैट करेज youth brings no finally at the end of the day we have to remember he is what 21 years old and he is also holding the white jersey so uh, i don't think he understands fear you know or uh, uh, being safe or riding in a conservative manner so uh, it's a, it is very exciting the only problem is that uh, he is so good that the race is almost becoming boring <laughs> <laughs> but also notice gokul that we are actually again at a resurgence in terms of racing strategy in the sense that look at the other uh, you know large superstars of the sport right now like a guy like matthew vanderpoel mm-hmm. wout van aert or remco evenepoel all of these guys have that you know uh, that vigor of youth and that no not needing to wait till the last let's say a uh, kilometer or two to attack and they are all known for you know taking control of the race very early on attacking for from far this is exactly the same thing we have seen uh, matthew underpoel do to retain his yellow jersey so far right another another a very stunning performance if you ask me in this tour has been matthew underpoel correct this is his debut yeah this is debut tour de france and uh, he has been around for a while agreed but in his debut tour he actually comes out and uh, wins a big stage dedicating his to, to his grandfather and then holding the yellow jersey for the next six days which is uh, a huge thing and uh, he's somebody who is not great or not well known to be a time trialist yet he comes in fifth at the same time as his uh, old time nemesis uh, wout van aert so that that kind of indicates you know the kind of uh, raw talent he is well held and uh, the kind of hunger and the kind of uh, passion he has to retain that jersey and to show himself in the race so i think this is a new trend with gokul right there where people are not just playing by the tactical book of being very conservative and only showing themselves once or twice in the race Correct. This is, I think, a new generation of talent who is just waiting to burst out. Exactly. I mean, uh, and in fact, uh, uh, it is very easy to miss out on that key aspect of on what happened on stage two. Uh, they had to climb this uh, hill, uh, uh, Murdo Britagna, and uh, they had to do it twice. So uh, the first uh, climb had uh, bonus points. and he kind of did the same uh, attack uh, both the times the first time was primarily to gain those bonus points to get his uh, yellow jersey and the second one was obviously to get the stage as well so even there he was not uh, uh, he was very clear that uh, he wanted the yellow jersey obviously the uh, the rich legacy that his uh, grandfather raymond pulidor was uh, an eternal second man and uh, never uh, got to uh, wear the yellow jersey as he raced along the likes of eddie merks must have been playing in his mind but still the 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 
courage to uh, to show his cards twice on that hill uh, i think uh, it uh, drives home the same point that you are telling these guys uh, are uh, um, um, are in a different league probably the, the only uh, we we have to wait for remco to turn up next year and see how, if he will uh, be able to stop this uh, um, trend that pogachara started i know remco is not very excited about 2d france and he has been vocal about it but uh, pogachara i think will make it exciting for him yeah i think we need some new elements to you know uh, have a interesting contest with, against pogachar otherwise it is likely that you know we will see him run away with the tours for the next 5 6 years so, yeah let's let's hope that remco can actually challenge him and yeah, we need a lasting rivalry like we have seen the you know eternal rivalries over the years and now this wauken art matthew underpoil rivalry spices up the classics so much mm-hmm. and i think we need a new one for the gc guys yeah very true uh, we definitely need one and uh, uh, hope uh, somebody like uh, remco can bring in more uh, spice to the mix so um, uh, just uh, as we move on from uh, um, the gc performances to some other uh, um, important performances uh, i think we touched a bit about uh, mbdp matthew vanderpol already uh, but uh, what do you talk what do you have to say about the manx missile uh, sandeep yeah i have to eat my words here gokul because i did not really give him a shot to win a stage and i even doubted whether he will make the time cuts across the first week but mark uh, sandeep Cavendish... you don't have to feel guilty i think 99 percentage <laughs> of the people who understood cycling were in the same boat in fact uh, there are so many of his old teammates who told exactly the same thing that they didn't believe that that will happen and it happened including people like jaran thomas so <laughs> so don't have to feel guilty yeah i think i'm in great company that way <laughs> but uh, i think it's what a turn around to see mark cavendish win two stages in the first week so this is a guy last year who was uh, openly crying in press conferences over you know in the at the end of the classic season last year mm-hmm. where he did not have a you know a team for the next year and he was extremely sad that he might be ending his career any point of time without you know a proper farewell or you know something to write home about and today he is uh, winning two almost back to back sprint stages on uh, the biggest stage there is for cycling the tour de france and uh, and the best thing is that today he is the, at this point of time he is the most stand out sprinter right now left in the race so it looks like he can actually go and go on and win multiple more stages today so yeah. i mean we had stopped talking about the eddie marks uh, rec- record of 34 stage wins and how mark is going to you know ever break it or not but i think again that brings into that you know that the debate has opened up again and it looks like very very much a possibility he's going to win it or, or beat that record yeah i mean uh, in fact i have an idea now that could make this uh, this year's gc battle a little bit more exciting i think mark cavendish has to pull in people like wout van aert sepkus and give them a you know, 
royal earful about uh, sticking on with it and giving her a good battle so that is probably the only thing that can make this year's tour any really exciting you have to t- take a leaf from uh, mark's book yeah the the way he has come back uh, uh, is really remarkable no that everybody in this world uh, ruling him out and uh, very interestingly again uh, one of his teammates had uh, mentioned that uh, he never stopped the training because he was actually not the uh, uh, sprinter for dikenic quick step for the tour it's only because of the uh, knee injury of uh, uh, his uh, teammate Bennett. yeah, yeah. so sam benet uh, that he he got a chance and you know sam benet is the green jersey holder and you know there was no chance but still uh, his uh, i don't remember which teammate of his but he, they, he was telling that uh, uh, he he was still training for it even though there was uh, one in a 100 chance of him getting into the tour but he kept training and uh, was at his uh, best possible shape for this tour and uh, look what he's done yeah i'm sure there's a book in the works on, on you know on his turnaround story easily because there are tons of life lessons here for all of us and how you know you have to still believe in yourself even though the world is laughing at you and i think mark just actually put into action all of those things that people talk of in books and and i'm actually now rooting for him to win a third and a fourth stage yeah i mean uh, yes and uh, to me sandeep uh, yes he will win a few stages he may not win a few stages nobody knows uh, uh, because you, you know as in a, a bike racer uh, who ends up winning 10% of his races ha- is probably one of the all time greats so they are people are definitely racers are going to lose more than they win but i think what uh, uh, at this point in life he has switched around and i think uh, that is going to bear good for himself and for uh, all the new generation of riders to come so to me it doesn't while i i definitely want to see him raise his arms on champs elise on uh, two weeks from now uh, but i think he has uh, he doesn't definitely have anything left to prove and uh, uh, e- even if he uh, doesn't win it doesn't matter because whatever he the he has got the right attitude and that i think is more important than uh, uh, and if he has this attitude he will definitely win more than he will lose or win win a bigger uh, number of uh, races so true yeah very true goku so uh, do you think anybody can do anything uh, left to make uh, 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 do anything about pog this year do, do you see any team what what would be if you were the director sportif of uh, jumbo wismo or uh, ineos what are you going to tell them so i think one thing that we have to bear in mind gokul is that this is uh, barely the end of week 1 in fact yeah. as we speak there is the stage 9 which is still supposed to happen so there is a bunch of racing that is still left for the tour to finish when mm-hmm. it finishes on the champs elysian paris and i think 
all of uh, these teams, uh, they, they're professional enough to realize that two weeks is a long time and a huge amount of kilometers to be ridden and raced. Mm-hmm. So none of them are going to shut themselves off or, you know, write themselves off that, you know, Pogacar has won this and there's nothing they can do. It's such a large duration of time and anything can happen. And uh, they have to bear in mind that although Pogacar is so strong in week one, it is possible that he might have peaked too early for the tour and he might start getting a little stale by week two and in week three, which is actually the hardest uh, of the three weeks. And in fact, over the last few years, it is the hardest three weeks, I think, uh, this year. So it is, there is a possibility that, you know, he might really crack in his third week. And you've seen that happen with Roglic on occasions and Froome also, even in his peak, would sometimes look, start looking stale in the third week. So just assuming that Pogacar is going to hold that form all the way to Paris, uh, I don't think the strategists and directors sportives would want to believe it just yet. At least they should not. I mean, they have to keep trying, keep chipping away. And uh, although they may not have as many cards to play at before as they had you know, a week back, but I think they still should keep persisting. Sometimes a long-range attack with a guy like Richie Port could bring him back in the reckoning. We have to bear also in mind that Pogacar's teams, the team UAE, is extremely weak to support him. I mean, they do not have the firepower on the flats or he doesn't have that many resources at his disposal on the mountains as well to support him. So, uh, you, you know, in, in week two also, there are a couple of flat stages for sprinters which have possibilities of crosswinds. They need to, you know, try everything on the book on every single kilometer of the remaining two weeks to see where they can actually extract some weakness from the guy and his team. True. What do you think? Somehow, I feel like I, if I, if it were me, I would take a slightly different approach. I would, I think we need to attack the confidence of uh, Pogacar right now, rather than his physical abilities. Uh, he is, is brimming with too much confidence right now. So uh, I would be throwing the kitchen sink at him in this week if I were uh, part of uh, Jumbo Visma or uh, Ineos, even at the cost of uh, uh, losing my main man or something like that. Because I feel like we should... Uh, the only way to attack him here now would be to really dent his confidence. They need to do something which will uh, which will raise some interesting questions in uh, Pogachar's mind. I mean, and I I would not have suggested this normal normally, uh, but given the present state of uh, things, I think that is the approach I would take because I remember. Uh, this beautiful speech by Harsha Bogle, somebody whom I uh, revere a lot, uh, on his analysis of uh, Vinod Kambli's career. Vinod Kambli, obviously, were, as many of you would know, was uh, 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 a senior of uh, Sachin Tendulkar at school and was uh, uh, at times considered even a bigger prodigy than uh, Sachin. And he had never faced a defeat in his life. Uh, and obviously, he had some fantastic uh, start uh, to his career. And the real turnaround in his career came uh, 
during a tour of West Indies when Courtney Walsh started bouncing him. So, and uh, that was the first time in his life uh, that uh, uh, Kambli kind of did not have answers. And uh, he, was, he had been so strong and so successful in his early life that he didn't know how to overcome a big, uh, uh, I wouldn't say defeat, by a, but a big uh, uh, obstacle or a setback like that. And somehow he couldn't. So uh, at this point in time, but while I think that Pogachar seems to be very, very strong mentally, but I would still feel that uh, uh, I would uh, attack his mental side of things uh, and uh, throw a couple of you know, repeated attacks this week to not let anything. Uh, I wouldn't mind, uh, uh, say losing uh, some of my team members in week three because again at some point in time we have to uh, uh, if it was in yours it doesn't matter if they don't win, uh, win it but if they can figure out how to beat Pogachar next year probably that is useful so I would just be going and you know going out on an all-out attack even at the cost of losing some of my team members man I, I don't know it may sound very uh, bizarre, but uh, I could only think of this. Otherwise, he, this guy is too strong. I don't think uh, he will... Uh, uh, if we leave him like this, he will gain another 5-10 minutes in week 2 and he will... Even if he fails in week 3, it may not matter. Right, yeah. That's an interesting thought and I'm sure that's some, that's the kind of uh, strategizing and planning his opposition will need to actually uh, put up some kind of a contest against him. And I think it's, it's still possible to you know do something about it. And uh, I mean, Ineos have sport, although he's sitting far behind right now, but he has not shown much weaknesses so far. I mean, once he lost those four or five minutes, he was probably asked to stop chasing his GC goals and, you know, hold himself for the weekly support. But now at this point, I think they have to try, uh, you know, long range attacks via port and then Carapaz to bridge over to him and stuff like that. Something to really, uh, you know, like you say, shackle, shatter his confidence and just uh, keep him guessing on how exactly the game, the, the race is going to proceed. Yeah, I mean, uh... It's almost like, you know, uh, in some ways, they may even have to look at uh, forming some friendly on-the-road alliances uh, because anyways, it looks like Team Jumbo Visma and uh, Ineos are like half of their team. So, they may have to work with each other, figure out some things or the other because uh, uh, they have to surprise him. They cannot uh, expect to uh, run by power or do very uh, expected attacks and uh, uh, beat this guy. So they will have to surprise him. Yeah, yeah, I think it should be an interesting two weeks. And I mean, although from the, you know, the timesheet, it looks like it can be a boring couple of weeks, but I think we will see some action all the way to Paris. Yeah. I mean, Let's yeah. just keep hoping, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, uh, uh, one thing is for sure, this is, uh, even if uh, Pogachar wins by a 
big margin. I I don't think uh, with all that is at stake with with teams like Jumbo Visma and uh, Ineos, they cannot afford to lose it without trying. They will be asked very severe questions. So I don't think they will mind uh, losing it big. You know, it doesn't matter whether they lose big or lose small. They might uh, as well throw everything at it to see what they can. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I think they also have to be with a similar mindset of all or nothing mm-hmm. rather than you know play conservative with Bogacha. Correct. Cool. So, so we we did have uh, the daily updates and uh, there were some interesting conversations that came across. Uh, so, in the interest of time, I think we will pick up one question of the week uh, this week, uh, uh, and uh, that was from Ravi Teja. Uh, from hyderabad so i will read out his question he will be uh, winning a, a podcast t-shirt his question is uh, we have been seeing a lot of riders coming into road cycling from other disciplines like track and cyclocross do the cyclocross riders have an edge over pure road cyclists how important is diversification of disciplines in cycling so Sandeep, do you have any? Uh, I know you are a very strong runner as well, and uh, uh, in the same elite company like Michael Woods. So, what is your take on this? Yeah, Michael Woods and I were running together a few years back. <laughs> okay, almost in the same league, yeah, right? Okay, jokes apart, uh, this is a very interesting question by Ravi, uh, and I think it's something that uh, is uh, very. very uh, you know up for debate in today's times when we see folks like Vaupenart Matthew van der Poel and in fact in the previous generation also Jakob Fuglsang and all have come over from the MTB side of things into road cycling other than that uh, we are also aware of a uh, lot of track cyclists transitioning to the sport the australian and british track program has actually held A lot of these guys moving over to the road cycling, like Mark Cavendish, Chiran Thomas, a uh, lot of Aussies as well. Chris Froome. So, oh Chris yeah, uh, Bradley Wiggins, I mean. Was yeah, Bradley Wiggins, correct? Yeah, yeah, Bradley Wiggins. So yes, I mean uh, we have seen a lot of this, and I think all of these sports bring their unique skill sets over to uh, road cycling as well. so we see that you know cyclocross is a very intense one hour race which has a lot of uh, high intensity in short bursts for one hour up and down so you're running up a, a small hill with the bike on your shoulder and then there would be a, a section of sand where you're just essentially killing it like at your max vo2 max and uh, then there would be some small uh, mtb kind of a you know terrain where you're just navigating through it So that gives you a lot of different skills that you would come in handy. Explosivity and uh, bike handling are number one on the list, or number one and two on the list. And uh, like we uh, see in the track cycling, top speed, pure speed, is something that uh, they get. You know, transitioning from track to uh, road cycling. So each of these subdivisions of uh, the sport brings in their own unique skill sets, which come in very handy. and uh, so for example a guy like matthew vanderpoel or walkenart we have seen that they are extremely explosive in the short stuff like when we saw on stage 2 the nordi brittany 
uh maki van der poel just left everybody behind by you know about 10 seconds on on a short burst so that's that's his uh, huge engine which is very well tuned over years and years of training with the cyclocross similarly uh, we see mark cavendish winning number of stages this week uh, you know coming on from his vast and uh, huge track experience and uh, you know that that makes a lot of difference the kind of skills that you bring into road cycling it's just not one skill it's just not endurance there's there's so much more at stake here what are your thoughts on this goku i think you you basically covered everything the the uh, the 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 ability to avoid a crash because of the bike handling skills is very important and that is one of the reasons that peter sagan is so successful uh, in addition uh, to this uh, uh, the only thing that i would probably add is uh, when we look at uh, uh, the developments in coaching and uh, uh, especially when we look at uh, coaching the younger uh, uh, boys and girls one of the key things that is talked about is uh, uh, specifically uh, not to specialize in one sport uh, because that allows uh, the development of various muscle groups uh, the i would even expand what ravi has said to other sports as well and uh, the development of uh, uh, a more holistic development of muscles i think is also very important and uh, uh, that is being in fact uh, talked about a lot in in this uh, generation of coaching and the latest research that is being done and uh, uh, so i think that also has got to play a role because uh, probably it's a little difficult to quantify but uh, i'm sure there are a lot of uh, things to uh, uh, which will subtly um, influence uh, the the ability to ride hard in fact uh, we were uh, having a podcast earlier this year with uh, parshu uh, analyzing the this year's in road nationals and he was talking about uh, how he was coming back from a knee surgery and uh, he went back uh, to start playing football and uh, uh, when he took a break from cycling and how uh, when he was training for football he worked obviously more on his core and stuff which uh, which when he restarted his cycling training he realized as significantly helped him so there are a lot of these uh, uh aspects which which are uh, more subtly important in fact uh, even when i uh, uh i have been going through a similar phase where in almost 6 months i was out of the saddle and uh, uh, i was doing in order to uh, do something i went back to running and uh, i started uh, changing my form a lot and uh, uh, getting my glutes more activated and uh, that was the first thing i could feel when i was uh, back on the saddle that uh, uh, i could feel in the pedal rotation my glutes playing a bigger role and uh, the imbalance between the glutes and the quads is a big issue i while i was off the bike my quad strength had reduced but i feel that uh, in fact if i both ride and run the the emphasis of glute and quads will probably help me get better at each other sport so i think it's also got to do with a more holistic development obviously 
all these uh, pros spend a lot of time doing uh, yoga flexibility workouts mobility uh, and uh, hit the gym as well so uh, which is also indicative of the additional strength and in the under the uh, activation of uh, uh, other muscles which are important as well so but otherwise you you covered the most important aspects with regards to explosivity and bike handling also our uh, renko evenpoel also comes from a footballing background oh, he was playing for the uh, you know under 16 league of i think one of these big clubs oh. in belgium before he uh, quit that and moved fully into cycling oh, parsha will be happy to note <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, i know i am not going to win any t-shirts for this sandeep but i have a, a Uh, question for you uh, again another uh, uh, little outfield kind of a question so we always talk about the uh, the the crashes in the first week and how to in- improve the um, the safety of riders so i had a question whether uh, we should uh, look at using like a substitute system in uh, grand tour racing with uh, restricting only 5 6 riders on a day on any day per team and uh, having a few substitutes the substitutes uh, may not uh, uh, be eligible for winning any um, definitely not the gc uh, not for uh, any of the other long term points classifications as well but only for uh, either domestic duty or for sprint stages do you think that would uh, help in uh, uh, making the tour uh, safer so first of all gokul i think you're getting a lot of out of box ideas this week <laughs> <laughs> coming with very interesting propositions and uh, thoughts and why not pose this idea over to let's say the official tour de france uh, twitter feed or something uh, i think they'll kick me out of france I'll never get a visa to france <laughs> however i think uh, just to give my thoughts on this idea i think the tour comes with a very rich legacy and history where essentially you know when it started 108 odd years back uh, the riders were all self supported and riding all the day and nights for even way lo- longer distances than what we have today and there was this concept of Uh, that purity of uh, the journey and the tour and you know riding all the all uh, the way across france the entire country to finish this race True. i think that's where the sport started from and it although it has uh, you know evolved a lot with a lot of more tactics and uh, time trials coming in and formations and a lot of other stuff but i think one aspect of the sport that has still uh, persisted is the that legacy of you know riding from kilometer 0 to the absolute end to you know say having finished the tour and i think that is a critical uh, element of the sport knowing that every rider has actually ridden every pedal pedal stroke all the way through hmm. even though they are injured even though they may have dislocated their shoulder or their pelvis is cracked hmm. no matter what i mean they have actually ridden through to the very end 
and i think that aspect uh, would be very hard to remove or, or take out from the sport i feel yeah so yeah. although yeah although so although the you know probably with something like having a few riders per day riding would help safety maybe but i think that uh, legacy and that purity of the sport probably would be diluted i feel yeah i wouldn't want that to happen uh, ever so i i understand that uh, it's like you know if you were to equate it to a mass start you know anybody can sprint to the last uh, Uh, 200 meters but uh, to be able to do that after riding 250 kilometers is tough so yeah in some ways uh, it doesn't make sense and uh, tour de france or any grand tour for that matter is definitely a race of attrition and uh, when we remove uh, that aspect out of it it uh, will change character right so so in gc and terminology that was that was a botch yeah nice so i think uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about stage one, i mean the week one or the upcoming week uh, uh, sandeep or can we wrap it up uh i think we had an interesting discussion gokul and i'm looking forward to week two and i think a lot of these teams have to uh, think out of the box like you are doing this week and figure out a way to you know, disrupt Pogacar, and I think we will also see a lot of number of breakaways will uh, increase in the in the week two and and especially in week three. So it will be fun to see how that goes on. Yes, that's all I have for this week, Gopal. And we can I can possibly I think you know probably uh, why don't you give the you know the listeners uh, you know the mechan mechanism of how to win the podcast T-shirt that looks pretty nice. yeah i mean uh, i've been spending a lot of uh, evening hours uh, and in fact we have been spending a lot of evening hours writing reviews about uh, the stages uh, that is the best place to get a daily update uh, uh, we spend time not just to uh, give you the results but to also give a point of view that we may have uh, even though it will be short so and uh, this is exactly what we would like to hear from you as well we would like to understand your thoughts what questions you have and what ideas you have and uh, to make the um, podcast more interesting and uh, overall for all of us to uh, gain more knowledge and uh, uh, make it more interesting so please do uh, uh, right uh, respond to the daily stage updates uh, uh, with your comments or questions and uh, we will take it up as much as we can and uh, we have a lot of t-shirts to give away anyway so please do uh, write uh, and ask your questions or give us your uh, thoughts as well thank you sandeep uh, i think we had a very exciting first week and uh, um, looking forward uh, just like you are for the following uh, next two stages next two weeks and uh, hope we have a, a exciting time ahead same here gokul okay thank you bye bye bye